Hello everyone, this is Bola from CleverGirlFinance.com and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. So on today's episode of the podcast, I'm going to be talking with my guest all about weddings. And on a previous episode of the podcast, I actually had a friend of mine come on to talk about weddings from her perspective as a newly engaged bride. But on this episode today, I have a listener and also an expert wedding planner. Her name is Terrell PA, and she's going to be talking to us about wedding planning and she'll be sharing some really amazing insights with you. She's all about helping you get creative when it comes to planning the wedding of your dreams. Terrell's business is called Cater to the Bride and she saved $20,000 while planning her own wedding by getting a portion of her wedding sponsored and she's mastered exactly how you too can plan the wedding of your dreams. On this episode, Terrell shares her own wedding planning story that led her into the business of becoming a wedding planner and she also shares tips on how to be a guest at your own wedding, how to get your wedding sponsored, how to raise money for your wedding, how to manage your costs on a fixed budget and how your wedding planner can pay for themselves. So if you're a planning a wedding, you definitely want to listen into this episode and share it with any friends that you know that are wedding planning because Terrell shared some really, really awesome tips. She even shared tips that I had never heard about and I thought they were so, so interesting. But before we get into this episode, I would love for you to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, on Stitcher and also on the Clever Girl Finance YouTube channel. I would also love for you to head over to iTunes and leave a review of the podcast. Your reviews allow other women to find this podcast and they also mean a lot to me. So please head over to iTunes and leave a review if you have enjoyed listening to the podcast so far. And finally, if it's been a while since you stop by clevergirlfinance.com, please do. The website is sporting a new look and as usual, there is a ton of brand new content as well as free budgeting tools and access to my resource library if you subscribe to the website. So let's get into today's episode and talk to Terrell. Hey Terrell. Hi Bola. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you on here to talk about wedding planning and money. And I had had a friend of mine come onto the podcast a few episodes a few episodes ago, and she was talking about wedding planning from her perspective as a newly engaged bride, but you are a professional wedding planner. So I'm excited for you to share your own perspective as well. Yes, I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to uh, share my thoughts and my experiences with you. Awesome. But before we dive into the questions, I'd love for you to share um, with the audience who you are and what you do. Sure. So my name is Terrell PA. I am based out of Bloomfield, New Jersey, Northern New Jersey area. And I am a wedding consultant. I am a a member of the Association of Bridal Consultants. I'm also a member of Sandals. Um, And I kind of fell into uh, the wedding space after getting engaged and getting married and planning my wedding um, uh, in three months (laughs) and saving myself $20,000. I, you know, after uh, doing all of that, uh, I was kind of appointed the wedding planner (laughs) with my family and friends. And then I formulated uh, Catered to the Bride. Oh, wow. That's incredible. You saved (laughs) $20,000. I did. It was, it was an interesting ride. My wedding planning, um, it it was really crazy to say the least, but I learned so much. Um, and I took everything that I knew and I just packaged it into, you know, my, uh, my business. Yeah. And I, you know, I planned my wedding several years ago, but I had a wedding planner to help me, but 
a lot of my friends are, you know, they went through the same experience planning wedding. I have planning their own weddings. I have friends who are planning weddings right now and it can get a little crazy, mm-hmm, <laughs> especially absolutely. around the, um, the money aspect of it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me. Um, yeah, I, I, um, you know, my, my husband and I, we met in college and before we uh, pl- started planning our wedding, we were living together. And so we kind of knew that we wanted to get married And we wanted to, you know, buy a home first. So, you know, we were trying to cut back as much as possible and not endate our parents because at the time my husband's brother uh, was getting married the same year. Like we both got engaged the same year. And so it was just so chaotic. Um, And I learned so much through that whole process. So, yeah, I'm excited to to share. (laughs) Okay, so you have been doing this wedding planning for a number of years now, and you've gotten to deal with different couples, different budgets, different types of weddings and ideas, etc. So in your experience, and you're in the on the East Coast of the United States, right? Yes. What is the typical budget for a wedding for your average couple? I would say the the average budget is around $30,000. However, most brides most brides go way above that. Like I I have seen it on the high end and on the low end. Um, <laughs> the, the, the low end being under $3,000. I mean, it can be done. Uh, it's hard, but it's a lot of work, but it can be done and the highest um you know, the highest uh, wedding that I have done was six figures. Wow. And, you know, I've seen the six figure weddings. I've been to some of them. (laughs) I've watched them on TV. (laughs) And I think, you know, the wedding budget, everybody has their opinions about the wedding budget. Some people like, oh my God, $30,000 is crazy. Mm -hmm. Some people will be like, oh my God, $30,000 can't do anything. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, just like with any other budget that people have in their lives, the the budget for their wedding is unique to their own financial circumstances. And I think that for folks who are listening, who are thinking about, you know, their wedding budget as they plan their finances, it's important to recognize that whatever budget you set for your wedding, you're planning for the one day and you have to make sure that it doesn't throw off the rest of your financial goals. And it's not throwing you into debt because you're trying to have you know, this wedding. This awesome wedding. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's so funny that you say that because my model is planning with purpose equals profit, you know, and I think that's where a lot of brides, you know, they get a little frustrated is because you see all these wonderful things and, you know, you get sidetracked with, you know, different shows and Pinterest and all of these crazy things and you want the next greatest thing, but that next greatest thing can cost you thousands of dollars, you know? So, you know, I definitely believe that you should never take out a loan for a wedding and all brides should have some kind of sponsorship. Oh, so you talk about sponsorship. I guess I'm going to have you share a bit more about that because that's the first time I've heard about having sponsorship for your wedding. So what do you mean? Do you mean like, tell me what you mean by sponsorship. Okay. So for sponsorship, I think, okay, so I have a course called crowdfunding route. Uh, Rockstar. And in that crowdfunding Rockstar, it's three separate parts. So the first part is indirect, where you're trying to raise money with your local audience. So whoever you have that's uh, on social media and off social social media. So if you have, you know, uh, if you're part of your church organizations or any kind of organizations outside of social media, those are the 
people that you want to target to raise money for. And I show like different ways that you can do that with raffles, pretty much showing uh, you could, that's one aspect. The second aspect of it is pretty much just selling your services because everybody is good at something. And I believe that you can give back in one way or another and, you know, just show like what you're good at. If you're a baker, you can sell your cakes and raise money specifically for your uh, wedding. But a lot of times when people hear like sponsorship or crowdfunding, the first thing they think of is GoFundMe, although that is a part of my program. <laughs> There's a specific way that you have to do that. You know, you, you can't just throw up a GoFundMe page and think, yeah, I'm going to get all of this money for your wedding because you're not, you know, you have to be very speci- um, specific and strategic. This and then is such a unique perspective. Yeah. And then the, the, the second, the third part of that course is the actual sponsorship Um, And the reason why I formulated that was because when I was planning my wedding, I was able to get my food sponsored. And for me, I was like, wow, this was so easy. But, you know, if people don't know how to do it, you know, how to formulate it, you know, it's not even a thought. So I actually put together a crowdfunding course. It's called Crowdfunding Rockstar. And I have it on my website. And it just helps brides, you know, raise money. It's priced very reasonable, you know, so that you know, you can make, you know, make some cash for your wedding. So you're not taking out loans. I love this idea. (laughs) (laughs) I've actually never heard it before. And so I'm going to be linking to, for those of you ladies who are interested, I'm going to link to Terrell's course so that you can check it out, but it's a very unique perspective. And I think that, you know, if you're in that space where you have the time and you have the bandwidth and you're willing to put in the work it takes to raise, you know, do the, do the actions to be able to get some money for your wedding. Why not? Um, You know, why not do it? So that's a really, (laughs) really unique perspective. So I'll share it with with everyone in the notes so let's say i come to you as a bride right and i have this i don't know twenty five thousand dollar wedding budget for instance mm-hmm. i'm paying in cash mm-hmm. but then i get sidetracked by all these different things i see say yes to the dress i want the ten thousand dollar dress blah 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 how do you typically guide your what advice do you typically give your couples when it comes to helping them stick to their their wedding budget. Are there any specific tools you use? Um, I usually in the beginning, I usually do a survey uh, with my bride and I kind of go through exactly what their vision is, how much they're spending, exactly what they want to accomplish out of their wedding. And then from that, then I break down how much they should be spending in each category. And so if you came to me with your budget of $25,000, the first thing I would be saying is, okay, 35% of that is going to go to your local So we need to definitely figure out exactly where you want to have this wedding. And then from there, I would just try to keep you on track. Most of the time, brides like to typically uh, control their own uh, cash flow. But there has been instances where I have taken over the budget uh, completely. I don't like to do that very often, just Mm -hmm. to be honest, because it can get a little, you know, it can get a little tricky, especially, you know, if the if the parents are paying and so forth and areas like that. But, um, to keep you on track, I usually just try to, um, bring you back to your core vision of what it is that you want. And then I say, okay, if you're going to purchase something, please think, think about it for at least 24 to 48 hours or come back to it within a week. And then if you definitely, definitely want to incorporate that into the wedding, then we're going to have to talk about it. And then we have to think about another area where we could, uh, bring the, the budget down. So for instance, if you want this to have this beautiful gown, 
maybe maybe you decided all of a sudden you want to have this nice couture gown and you haven't gotten your photography yet, then I would give you an option on how to maybe uh, save in the photography area so that you can get that awesome gown if that's something that you want. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the fact that you guide your, your brides around this is the breakdown of how it typically should be of where you're going to spend the most money. So 35% towards your, your venue, et cetera. So they have a sense of, okay, when I think about this $25,000, I should be breaking out, breaking it down this way. And I remember that when I got married, I controlled my wedding money, my budget. I I didn't hand it over to my planner, but you know, at the same time, there were certain instances where my planner was amazing. She was an amazing lady, but she was also very into the vision Uh before the cost. I'm kind of the reverse of that. (laughs) There are many times where I was like, I know this was your budget, Bola, but this is just so amazing. I'm like, okay, but this is my budget, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, I'm definitely, I think because of my background, I'm a little bit more focus on a budget because I know at the end of the day, you know, there's a bigger picture, you know, and a lot of times most, most brides, they want to buy a home. They have bigger goals. You know, they, they want to do things. You want to live afterwards. So I'm not trying to, you know, have you spend money on things that you really don't need because the wedding industry is constantly changing, mm-hmm. you know, and if you're trying to keep up with the next things, you will go broke really, really quickly. Real quick. <laughs> Real quick. <laughs> so ladies, if you're listening to this and you only take away one thing from this entire conversation, it is that there is life after your wedding day. <laughs> yes. 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 You need to live after your wedding day. Yes, absolutely. Let's talk about um, expenses. And in your experience, what are typically the biggest expenses um, in planning a wedding? And also, what is typically worth splurging on? Okay, so... I would say usually it's the photography, the location, and then the wedding attire because it's the most expensive uh, categories. I have seen instances where people are spending in areas where at the end they're adding on, um, if you're doing it yourself, they're adding like um, center, centerpieces or, or um, things that they really don't need, but they're adding on other expenses. So a lot of times, like I see uh, a lot of brides like focusing on, uh, getting caught up in like at the Etsy shop at, oh, I can't speak today, the Etsy shops mm-hmm. <laughs> it, or going to, um, the different, uh, oh my God, the conventions, the wedding, uh, conventions mm-hmm. and purchasing things that they don't need, but you can definitely, um, you should plan to spend majority of your money, um, at your location for your, you know, the, uh, wedding reception, reception, right. The reception, your food, all of that stuff. And also too, I think the key area there is that if you have an idea of what you want, you have to really know what's in that contract because a lot of times, you know, brides will sign a contract and realize, Oh, we only have two stations or we only have one station for food. And then they end up adding on and adding on and adding on. And that can really stretch the budget. So Mm -hmm. definitely the location photography is tricky. And also the flowers or your centerpieces can be very expensive. If 
you are, depending on how you are, where you are and what you want. So I think it definitely goes back to what you want in areas that you don't want to splurge on. You know, it's every bride is different, so it's hard to put it in one category, but you can definitely save in those areas as well. So for instance, with photography, I always tell my brides that you should price out three different photographers on three different levels. So you definitely want to make sure they have a tight portfolio of five years. You want to ask specific questions. You know, how long is it going to take for you to get back your proofs? Will you have access to them online? Um, and then you also want to see, uh, find out um, how many hours they're going to be with you. And that's an area where you can really save. But a lot of brides think it's an all or nothing Um thing where if they buy a package, they think, okay, I can only buy this eight hour package for $7,000. And that's not the case. You can break that up and maybe just purchase two hours, you know, and then have a videographer, or you can package it all together with your limo, your videographer <laughs> and mm -hmm. your uh, ph photographer. So it really just depends on what you want and how much you really want to spend and what's important to you. Mm -hmm. So I'll tell you my experience. <laughs> <laughs> For my wedding, um, the biggest expense we had by far was the catering. And, you know, again, that depends on what you want and, uh -huh. and how you do it. But we catered per person. Mm -hmm. so obviously that is a much bigger cost than a buffet, but then that was also tied into the kind of venue that we had. So that affected those costs. And then from a photography perspective, you know, like the typical bride you kind of when you find someone you like you know what you you like a lot of brides kind of know that like when I used to be a wedding photographer I would have brides reach out to me and they'd be like oh I followed you for three four years and I wasn't even engaged but I knew I was going to hire you because I love your work so I was that kind of girl I already knew the photographer I wanted to hire mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> but That's I think awesome. <laughs> But one of the things, you know, my thing, one thing that I know for sure as a wedding photographer is that there were a lot of brides who paid me for packages that they didn't necessarily need. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because I didn't tell them they didn't need it. It was, it was because they felt like, well, I think I'm going to need it. So I'll give you an example. When you are, you know, at your wedding, the photographer is going to be, let's say you have a wedding and the wedding goes through, I don't know, eight hours of the day, right? And you have the photographer come in when you're getting ready. They stay with you through, you know, your first look, the service, mm -hmm. the reception, all that kind of stuff. And then some brides want the photographer to stay until the end of the wedding. In yeah. my experience, it's not a good use of the photographer's time mm -hmm. because, or your money. <laughs> no, <it's laughs> Only not. because once, you know, once the cake is cut, then it's typically dancing for the rest of the night. Mm -hmm. And once the photographer has has gotten about 30 minutes or 45 minutes of dancing right unless you have some other family pictures that you've scheduled mm -hmm. after that once they've gotten that first 30 45 minutes of dancing the pictures are the exact same pictures over and over again in slow motion and 95 percent of those pictures are not making it into any wedding album and so you're gonna be like oh cute but is it really worth paying you know because i remember that i would I would have like fixed packages, right? So I would do a six hour wedding package. And then the bride would be like, well, you know, six hours only gets me up until like an hour after the cake cutting. And I don't want to do the 
eight hours. So I'm going to pay you an extra $400 for that next hour, which is what I charge. I'm like, are you sure you want to spend $400 for me to hang her out for an hour? <laughs> Taking slow motion pictures of people doing the same dance steps. And every time they did that, every time I made the wedding album, those pictures were never pictures they selected to put into the wedding album. And they had just duplicates and duplicates of the same people. Because think about the average wedding you go to, right? Or the average wedding you plan, Terrell, it's usually the same people dominating the dance floor. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That is, so true. that is so true. And then on top of that, a lot of times you get some awesome footage from your guests. I mean, I exactly. Think, I'm like, are you kidding me? Don't waste that money. Or and especially if you have a videographer too, because you're going to be getting footage from your videographer, you know. And if you already have taken all of your, you know, your still shots and everything early on, you really don't need that second photographer. You really exactly, don't. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, areas to splurge on: save your money for your reception, for your food, your photographer, depending on what you want, and. Mm-hmm. So what areas should couples be thinking about saving on? We like what areas should they be as frugal as possible on? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would definitely definitely say the number one is invitations. <laughs> I'm guilty. <laughs> I was guilty. I just had to have those invit- in fact I still have I I kept like a stack for myself. I still have my invitations. They cost me so much money. Yeah, yeah. That was my big regret. The the funny thing is like now we have access to so much online and so many resources. I mean, you can walk into like Staples. You could go to Visa Print. You could go to basicinvite.com. That's who I work with. And you can get some really, really nice invites that's not going to break the bank and I mean, there's no need to go over a thousand dollars on invites or 500. I mean, you should really be staying under that $300 mark. You know, that's my, in my opinion. <laughs> I agree. Don't be like, well, uh, I spent way too much money on my invitations. <laughs> yeah. Or you can email them. I've gotten some email yes. invites. I mean, they mm-hmm. were just like, Hey, come to my wedding. They were like emails that took us to like really nice, nicely set up websites that had a whole RSVP system. And we did yep. that there. And yep. then, so it was, it was a lot of people think that, Oh, you know, getting an email invite is so rude or it's really tacky, but you know, it depends on how it's executed. Um, the ones I've received have been executed really, really nicely. The process has been so nice. And, um, I recently RSVP to a wedding invite. I got over email and it, um, I did the RSVP online and then I got a, a text message. Thank you. And a text message reminder. And then the day of the wedding, I got a text message with directions. It was just really nice. Mm-hmm. That's really nice. I really like that with the directions, especially a text message, because you can always save that. You could throw it in your email. You know, a lot of times, a lot of people, they throw out those invitations or you miss a card or you open it up and things are missing. So yeah, I think there's way to simplify it out so that you're very organized, you know, you're doing your ABCs planning, you know, of sending out your invites because that's very important. That's, and that's another area that can save, um, brides thousands of dollars. If you work your guest list thoroughly (laughs) and I know everyone always wants to invite everybody. And the reality of it is that you really cannot, you know, you have to break it down. And I think Bola, like you said, you know, you, it's how you execute, you know, responding back to your guests. You know, if you have somebody that's on the C list, meaning that, you know, they're not, (laughs) they're not, they're not your first priority. They're not your second, but it could be, you know, someone who you may have ran 
ran into an old college friend or old high school friend, you know, they want to come to your wedding. You're not sure, you know, just be honest with them and be very nice and say, listen, you know, I think I'm, you know, if I do have any openings, I would love for you to come, you know, and you know, it's how you execute. And I always say, you know, try to deliver those, um, in person if you can, you know, if you can, not all the time that will permit, but if you can, you know, this, that little personal touch makes, will go a long way, you know? Yeah, and I think this applies really to those people who go out of their way to invite themselves to your wedding or mm. to. <laughs> and I think you know the the guest list, like you said, contribute. It's a it's what really contributes to the cost of your wedding. Mm-hmm. Like if you have ten guests, right, you can have a really nice. $5,000 wedding at the Ritz-Carlton pay uh-huh. $150 per head and yep. amazing decorations on your two tables. Yep. <laughs> but if you're going to have 500 guests, that immediately yeah. like just blows up your cost. And so yeah, managing does. that guest list really, really matters. And the people you want to invite, sit down with your significant other, make that list. It's going to cause some battles, perhaps. I remember I, used, I quarreled with my husband about... Who is this auntie from, you know, we, we haven't, I've never met her. You haven't seen her in 25 years. Does she need to be? <laughs> way, but sit down, make the list, create your A list, your B list, your C list, your, your D list. Yes. Yes. And then for the, exactly. And then there's going to be the people who want to invite themselves to your wedding. Mm -hmm. They're going to be the people who want to bring 17 plus ones when it's, when a plus one is really a plus one. (laughs) (laughs) And just come up with the communication, like you said, the execution and how you just kind of tell them you can't come. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be firm. You know, you kind of have to treat your wedding like a business, you know, I mean, you have to really be strong and, and, and take your emotion out of it a little bit because there will be times where it's not going to be comfortable. You know, it's not fun, you know, but you can't let that, you know, spoil your, spoil the process of wedding planning. And that's the part that that's what made me go into and go into the business to start is because Mm -hmm. I was seeing that a lot of brides were losing, you know, their, the fun of wedding planning. They're like, Oh, I'm so stressed out. I don't want to do this. You know, you know, how am I going to handle kids coming to my wedding? I'm like, you just tell them there's no kids coming. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Some people will get mad at you and it's okay. Yeah. And you know, the, the beauty of it is, you know, if you, you know, if you can't hire a coordinator, let your coordinator tell them, you know, get work your coordinator. I always say your coordinator should be there to, to do all of the things that you don't want to do. <laughs> That's why you pay them, right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, but you, you want to make it easy on yourself. You know, you don't want to make it difficult. Makes complete sense. Because at the end of the day, you want to enjoy your day and you want to look back at your wedding day and be happy, not aggravated and annoyed. Exactly. So Terrell, what would you say has been, or what would you say is one of, is one of the more challenging things when it comes to helping, um, couples manage their wedding budget, especially when they're working on a tight budget? I would say just stay focused on what they want and not what other people want, because I've seen a lot of times where people are not actually, um, you know, having the wedding that they want to have, or I'll give you a prime example. You know, I once had a bride who wanted to have a destination wedding and her family was very traditional and they're like, no, you're going to have a church wedding. And 
she's like, well, I can't afford, you know, all of these people. And I'm like, listen, you're just going to have to go back to your parents and let them know, you know, listen, you're paying for this. This is what you want, you know, and we had to incorporate, you know, with, with that destination wedding, we had to incorporate, you know, a lot of religious things into that wedding to make her parents happy. But, you know, I, I definitely think it goes back to what you want, you know, and not overextending yourself, you know, and, and just stay in focus, you know, and, and really take the time to figure out how much you're going to pay, you know, how, how stick to your budget and the areas that you want to save and save in those areas and don't get sidetracked with other people and don't compare yourself to other weddings of other people because it's, it's, it's not a fun situation exactly. at all. <laughs> and the one thing I was going to add is that, you know, sometimes people say, well, hiring a, a planner is too expensive or it's a waste of your money when you can do it for yourself. And I hired a planner because at that time I was very busy. Um, mm-hmm. I was running my photography business. I was dealing with other brides. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was working my full-time job. And I had also never been married before. So I didn't know the first thing about what I needed to do about what. And I needed the help. And for me, that was a worthwhile investment. If I were to go back and relive my wedding day, I would not get the invitations, but I would hire my wedding planner because she made all the difference. And so a lot of times people are like thinking because of the budget, I can't afford a wedding planner. But a lot of times your wedding planner, if you build her into your budget, can help you save Uh so much more money. Like I remember my wedding planner, she helped us get... So like you, she was a member of different associations. She helped us get discounts. And Uh initially I was like, "Mm," is she just trying to tell me that she's getting me a discount to make me feel better? And so what I actually did, being the person that I am, was that I would reach out... independently of her like just like a I'd reach out to a vendor like you know just as a bride being curious trying to plan a wedding I'll say hey you know what's the price of this and I would actually find out that she was saving me a substantial amount of money to the point where she paid for herself for her services and then then some Mm -hmm. absolutely Yes. I come from that same cloth. I believe that as a wedding coordinator, I should be able to give you some tools so that my, your fee to me is pretty much free or in excess. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if you're comfortable planning your wedding on yourself, by all means do it. But if you're in the space where you're feeling overwhelmed, you don't know the first thing to do, you're super busy, uh-huh. then it doesn't mean that you're going to modify your budget. If you have a $20,000 budget, doesn't mean you now have to have a $25,000 budget because you have a wedding planner. It just means that you're going to tell your planner that, listen, my budget is $20,000. I'd love for you to build yourself into this budget and help me figure out how to get everything I want. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So Terrell, given all of your experience, um, you know, wedding planning, if a new ca- a couple was to come to you today to talk to you about wedding planning, giving everything that you know, what would be the number one advice you would give that person um, around ensuring that they're able to let go, trust you and have a beautiful day for their wedding, Mm -hmm. a beautiful wedding day? The first thing I would say is definitely figure out what it is that you want, your vision. I think the vision comes before the budget. You want to plan with 
purpose so that you have a profit. And when I mean by profit, I don't mean profit from your guests. I mean profit from your vendors, right? Mm-hmm. Because you want to save as much from your mm-hmm. vendors. You don't want to go broke, you know, paying for your wedding. Mm-hmm. So definitely planning with purpose. The second thing is taking control of, of your budget and knowing exactly what, you know, use your spreadsheet. I have a spreadsheet on my website where you can download and according to the highest percentage to the lowest of where you should stay in that range. And then the third thing would be to try to get at least one thing sponsored in your wedding. Um, and just, you know, enjoy the process, you know, don't take it too seriously, <laughs> you know, you know, cause at the end of the day, you still have to live afterwards, you know, and you don't want to, you know, blow your budget, you know, on this wedding. And then afterwards, you know, you ha- you have to pay back a loan or something like that. So I'm, I'm definitely not a proponent of taking out loans for your wedding. And the, uh, the last thing that I would say is definitely get some kind of wedding insurance. Um, I just uh, saw yes. this recently. Oh my goodness. I felt so bad because there was this boutique that had closed down a couple of uh, weeks ago and brides have been going crazy because they weren't able to get their dresses or just a lot of things that have been going wrong. And, you know, my first question was, well, do you have wedding insurance? And some of them were like, what? And I'm like, yeah, you know, if you have wedding insurance, this would cover this, you know? And so they're like, oh my goodness, you know, so you can get some good wedding insurance for under $200. I also have that on my website. Um, I like travelers, <laughs> you know, they're accredited, you know, and they have great uh, rates um, for your budget. You, what you do is you just put in your budget and it'll tell you how much coverage uh, you will have in the categories that it covers from liquor liability to food, to your dress, to your rings, to your gowns. So there's a, a, a good range of um, services that is um, provided for, for your wedding insurance. Super important. And I'm so, so glad you brought that up. I had wedding insurance, um, you know, and the, the main reason why I got the wedding insurance was because um, my reception was at a museum. I remember mm-hmm. when we went to walk through the museum, they were talking about, oh, you know, the liability costs of if you break this, it's going to cost you $700,000. And if you break mm-hmm. this, it's going to cost you <laughs> and I was like, oh, really, girl? <laughs> I'm going to have my wedding here and then my guests are going to fall over and break something and I'm going to owe you guys a billion dollars. <laughs> That's not going to happen. I need to know. Mm-hmm. Wedding planner, where, mm-hmm. where can I get this wedding insurance? I got wedding insurance. And I paid for wedding insurance to cover the venue, um, vendor cancellations. Um, uh-huh. If I canceled my own wedding, the, lo- the the potential money that could be lost, I got insurance to cover that. So my insurance ended up being like maybe closer to four hundred dollars. But wow, I was okay. I was comfortable with that because we were spending a lot of money on the wedding and mm-hmm. just. You know, I've, I, before I got married, even now, many years after I've been married, we still know people who have canceled their weddings or have had to cancel their weddings before. I've been at weddings where photographers don't show up. Um, (laughs) the person who's, the caterer is like, oh, you know, sorry, ran out of eggs, no food. Things happen. Things happen. Yeah. And and even with the weather, I mean, if you're having a destination weather or something, things are, yeah, you can't control these things. You want to be protected so that you know, like, if your money is important to you, you want to make sure that you are saving it, you know, and that insurance is going to, to make sure of that. And just being a former wedding vendor, if you're listening to this and you are a vendor, your photographer, your caterer, whatever it is, don't just, don't just 
assume that your client's insurance is going to cover you because it's not right. Mm-hmm. You need to have your That's own right. insurance as a vendor. So as a wedding photographer, I had my own liability insurance in the event mm-hmm. that I damaged something at the venue. Like I slipped and I fell. I had insurance right. on my equipment because my equipment cost thousands of dollars in the event that mm-hmm. one of my cameras fell or one of my lenses fell and I had to come out of pocket thousands of dollars. I had insurance for that. So it's important that you have, you know, insurance. And a lot of times venues, depending on the we'll venue, ask for it. you mm-hmm. ask that your vendors have insurance. And if your vendors as a bride or as, you know, if you're listening to this with your significant other, the the venues will ask that your vendors have insurance. And if your vendors don't have the insurance, sometimes they will build it into the contract that you as the couple who hired the vendor is responsible for any liability, you know, yeah. Yeah, as a result of their, the yeah. vendor's accident or whatever. So be very mindful mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. That is so true, Bola. You, you, um, are, you hit the nail right on the hammer. (laughs) Awesome. So this has been such an awesome conversation. I appreciate you coming on, especially as a listener. I'm so excited to be able to share, you know, a conversation with one of my listeners. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. But before I let you go though, um, I'd love for you to tell everyone, what is your clever girl superpower? Uh, my clever girl superpower is that no bride should plan alone and you should be a guest at your own wedding. I love and, that. <laughs> <laughs> and even if you can't hire a planner, you know, appoint, you know, somebody who's not vested in the wedding that you trust, you know, and just get that support because, you know, at the end of the day, it's one day you want to be happy and don't stress yourself out. You know, you want to be a guest at your own wedding. That is true. You know, you want to enjoy your day because you spent all this time planning it. You spent all this money getting it together. And the other thing that, you know, I used to tell my brides is that some brides would kind of like, um, say, okay, I'm going to pay my pay for a photographer, but I can't also pay for a wedding planner, which is fine, but you can get a day of coordinator and they cost significantly right. less mm-hmm. and they'll support you in so many ways. Absolutely. And a lot of times, uh, uh, um, just from my end of it, uh, usually your venue also, they have a day of coordinator there. And a lot of people don't know that. So even if you can't afford a day of coordinator, usually they have one at your venue. You know, I'm dropping a a gem right now. Yes, (laughs) that is a gem. So you see, this is save your money, leverage, leverage the person your your venue provides you if they do provide one and again you don't have to have the wedding planner you don't have to like I think in planning a wedding a lot of things are optional right you don't have to have the ten thousand dollar photographer you can have your friend who takes pictures take some beautiful pictures for you don't get caught up in the Pinterest fantasy you know instead focus on having a beautiful day um that's going to make you feel happy, not stressed. Mm -hmm. And what happens when you overextend yourself and you, you know, you finance a wedding in debt, you're going to be on your wedding day thinking, Oh my God, that cake. Yeah. It's called wedding remorse. 25% interest. Oh my God, that limo. (laughs) Oh my. And even if you don't think about it on your wedding day, I guarantee you a hundred percent when those bills start rolling in the next month and like, Oh my God, that, that $150 per person meal that I couldn't afford. It's now costing me 175 cause I can't pay it all off and I have to pay interest. You're going to agonize over this. So there's no shame in cutting your 
cutting your coat according to your size. And this is something that my dad used to say. It's a, I guess it's an African Nigerian saying. I don't uh-huh. know where it came from, but it's <laughs> <laughs> do what you can afford and whatever budget you have, even if you only have a $500 wedding budget to go to court, you know, in a pretty dress and get married in front of a judge, you can make that the most beautiful day ever. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome, Terrell. So I'm going to be linking your website, your course. This course sounds incredible. So ladies, if this is something that you are interested in doing, definitely check it out. The crowdfunding rockstar. I'm going to put that in the show notes. And I'll also put the link to your budget so that, you know, the ladies can stop by and check out all this amazing stuff that you, that you had to share. So I'm so glad you came up on the podcast and I'd love for you to tell folks how to keep in touch with you. Sure. You can um, follow me on my website at www.catertothebride.net. You can also uh, find me at My Profitable Wedding on Facebook, in my private Facebook group. And I am also um, on Twitter and Instagram as Miss underscore Tea Party. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Terrell. Thank you so much for having me, Bola. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening into this episode with Terrell. I thought that she shared some really great insights on how to cut your costs and stick to your wedding budget, but still have the wedding of your dreams. If you have enjoyed listening into this episode, I would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and you can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and you can also listen to episodes and subscribe on the Clever Girl Finance YouTube channel. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll talk to you guys on the next episode of the podcast.